Now this Sunday we're continuing the Way Forward series, and we're talking about it all comes back to mission. It all comes back to mission. Did you know that there were two boats that uh, responded to the Titanic when it was sinking? Two boats. But they responded differently. One boat was called the Californian. This boat was only about 20 miles away. This boat turned off their radio. And about 10 minutes before the, the Titanic hit the iceberg, their radios were off. They saw rockets and flares in the distance, but they couldn't figure out why another boat was shooting these rockets and flares. And they didn't turn on their radio and they didn't investigate what was happening. They saw the boat's light turn off, but they just thought that the lights were being turned off for the night. You see, the crew of the California were so in maintenance mode that what they were, with what they were already doing, that they couldn't imagine that the Titanic would sink. For the rest of their lives, the crew members of the Californian had to wrestle with why they didn't go. They were 20 miles away. But there was another ship, the Carpathia. It was 58 miles away, almost three times further than the Californian. Its radio was on, and when the call came that the Titanic was sinking, it powered all of its engines up and went full steam ahead to go to the, the Titanic, navigating around all the different icebergs and things. It ran full steam for three and a half hours. When the crew showed up to the scene of the disaster, many had already perished, but they saved 705 lives from the lifeboats. 1,504 were lost. Carpathia was in mission mode. California was in maintenance mode. Which would we rather be, church? The California or the Carpathia? A church just trying to get by or a church on a mission to save lives. See, last week was about returning to our first love. Returning to our first love. This week is about mission. It's about keeping our focus on why we do what we do. Why do we invite? Why do we want to personally grow in our faith? Why do we serve? Why do we unite? Why do we do things united? Why do we commit to things like prayer together? Because it all comes back to mission. Like the ship, the Californian, that went into maintenance mode, we can do the same if we do not keep the main focus the main focus. This is what is called mission drift. In order to make a difference in the lives of those who are lost at sea, we need to keep alert, stay on mission, and react when the need arises. What is our mission? You saw it just a second ago in the video, if you're watching it. To give hope by loving God, loving people, and making disciples. See, we want to be a church that's healthy and growing and full of love. And we want to grow by staying focused on mission. You know, there's someone else in Scripture that suffered from mission drift. Someone who, his life went into maintenance mode. Someone who found himself in a ship on a dangerous sea. We know this man as Jonah. And of course, if you remember back to your Sunday school days or maybe kids' church days, you might remember the story of Jonah and the whale. Jonah was the poster boy for mission drift. Not only did he drift, he went in the opposite direction. 
We're going to see this in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. Verse 3. But Jonah got up and went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leading for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Here we have a man, a prophet, somebody who speaks the word of the Lord, somebody that is called by God, and God, God called Jonah, and not only just called him, he told him exactly what he wanted him to do. There was no question, there was no fog. Don't we all wish for that kind of clarity in our lives? Where we knew exactly what God was speaking to us and we just did it? I remember as a college student, I would sit down on a, on a bench, on a bench, overlooking the vivid grandson I just here in this picture. I usually would sit on that bench overnight and just look over at the building. And I remember just asking God, just tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. Even now, as Sarah and I are looking for a home for our family, we wish God would just make it clear the right house and the right price. Just give us an address. We can pop it in a TBS and make it offer. Maybe it's one that's not even on the market yet, because he knows, right? Just make an offer before it goes on the market, right? Just tell us, just make it clear. That's all we need. In that moment as a college student, God did not reveal his entire plan to be there. Give me exact instructions on what to do. Maybe some of you do hear his voice that clearly sometimes, but I did it in that moment. But he did open doors for me one at a time. But he didn't honor a small step of faith. And he continued to open doors. And my openness to whatever God wanted for my life has brought me to several places that I never planned to go in the 21 years of ministry. I never saw myself living in Massachusetts as a college student in Illinois outside of Chicago. Never expected to come to Massachusetts. I never expected to, to be living in the hills in the projects of Worcester. I never expected to live in the desert of Tempe. I never expected to live in the beaches of Calumet. Business trips to Guatemala inner city Boston, Honduras, Poland, and South Africa. None of those were on my list, on my checklist when I was a college student. You see, Jonah here, you just never know where God can lead you when you're open. All kinds of places. Jonah had no excuse. He knew. He knew exactly what he was being called to do. He knew that he was a prophet that was called by the Lord. And his job was to do whatever God speaks to him. And if you know the story, you know exactly what we just read. He ran. And not only did he run just a little bit off course, he ran in the exact opposite direction. <coughs> How many know this morning that it's foolish to try to outrun God? That you can never hide from him. There is no place that you can go that he's not there. There's no place that you can hide that he can't see you. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? 
He's hiding under the thing today. Lord, you can't see me down here. But he has called us. He ran the opposite direction. And I would call this a mission dream. We also, as a church, we know our mission. And we know what it's going to take to move forward. We know what it's going to take to see God do something here. And we can either choose to run from it and run away from it, or we can run to it and say, Lord, I will do what you asked me to do. As we read more of Jonah's story, we understand that God keeps bringing him back. And that God, in his own way, keeps bringing us back in life. Until we surrender our life to his What was the place of mission that he was called to? A place called Nineveh. Now we read about this place called Nineveh, and we think, okay, it's a sin. He's called to this particular town. But it's important to understand the context of the people here in Nineveh and why this was such a huge request of God to call Jonah to go there. The very word Ninevite sent chills up the spine of every Jew and Canaanite and Edomite and Ammonite and any other ites of that time. Every group of that region, because Nineveh was the capital city of an evil empire of Assyria. This was the Al-Qaeda of the 8th century B.C. And by the time Jonah started his prophecy business, the Assyrians had about 100 years' worth of atrocities under their belts. It wasn't enough for them to do barbaric things. The Assyrians had to write those things down and even etch some of them in stone. They had to beat their chest and brag about their evil deeds. Sometimes soldiers have nightmares over the people they have to kill in battle. But what would be nightmares for some people were pleasant dreams for the Assyrians. Records brag of five dismemberments that often included leaving one hand of the person attached so they could shake it before the person died. The Assyrians made parades of heads and required friends of the deceased to carry them on elevated poles. The Assyrians stretched out their enemies on tent stakes, yanked out their tongues, and flayed them like one of their kings, Ashur Asperpal II, bragged about these atrocities. He said, I burnt adolescent boys and girls. I captured many troops alive. I cut off some of their arms and hands. I cut off other, other things like their noses and their ears and other extremities. I gouged out their eyes of many troops, and I made one pile of linen and one pile of heads. I hung their heads on trees around the city. He high-fived his chief of staff. Nineveh had no shame, no conscience, no moral compass, no compassion. So the fact that Jonah wanted to stay clear of Nineveh and go the opposite direction would have seemed to all of us logically to be a good decision. To stay away from people that could do that to him. People would not have been questioning Jonah's sanity at that time. They'd be questioning maybe God for sending him there. I can almost hear Jonah saying to us, tell me more about how difficult your mission is to Americans. How difficult it is to share your faith here in America. And here we pick up the story, the next part of the story. The story of mission. Jonah chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. says, But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help. 
and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. Yes, it was a dark and stormy night with lightning flashing, thunder crashing, waves ripping across the deck, and a howling gale that was going sideways where the rain was pelting them like needles. The sailors on the boat had anything that they could white knuckle grip to hold on to that boat, anything that seemed stable. Of course, nothing seemed stable on the sea like that. Even things nailed down were coming loose and boards were creaking and snapping under the stress. They all knew it. Every one of them knew it. You see, sailors have a sixth sense about these things. It wouldn't be long until the ship broke and slipped under the sea. You know, there are no atheists on sinking ships. <laughs> sailors are crying out with the only prayers they do to any God who would listen to them and give them mercy. The only answer another wave, another lightning bolt, another crash of thunder. And of course, in the distance, the capital yell, throw anything you can overboard. Muffled by the rain and the winds, the sailors did what they could, but what they did. There's something here about giving up control. Jonah, one way or another, was going to lose his life. Either he was going to lose it to the plan of God, or he's going to lose his life to the sea. Because God has a way of bringing this back. Finally, the crew determined that Jonah was the cause of all that they were facing. And not wanting to lose a man overboard, because of course that would be good for marketing. Come with us to see what we do. That's going to help them in their business. But Jonah knew that he must face the consequences of his disobedience, of his running, of his mission. I think the church in America is facing the consequences of our disobedience, of our running the opposite direction of our mission, of going into the God arranged for a great fish to come and swallow Jonah. And he was there for three days and three nights. You might recall the story where Jesus talked about the sign of Jonah in the New Testament. He talked about it in Matthew and Luke. That when he would be crucified, he would be dead and buried for three days, but then he would rise again from the dead. And Jonah prayed inside the fish, and God had the fish spit him Jonah was now ready to go back on the mission. He was ready to obey. It was a form of resurrection in the life of Jonah. He knew he had gone the wrong way, but now he was going to be resurrected to do something new, to do what God has called him to do. Jonah ran because his mission was hard. Maybe it was even impossible. Maybe it was lose his life, and maybe that's the point. Maybe it's about giving up control. Maybe it's about Jonah giving up the control to his life do what he was called to do. And maybe we can learn from the same lesson of Jonah. Before we run, before we drift, we can choose to surrender our will to his. To surrender to the mission. To surrender to the calling. To obey what God is asking us to do. Why? Because getting back to mission produces results. See, Jonah got back on track. This is not a message to produce guilt. This is a message of hope. Let me tell you why. If Jonah can go the exact opposite direction and still get back on track, so can you, and so can I. Jonah chapter 2, verse 10 says, Then the Lord ordered the fish to 
Jonah out on the beach. For a Cape Cod, there's not a better place to be spent than on the beach. Now, you may have a few big fish in your past. A place that God has put you until you've decided to do what God has called you to do. An incubator for what God wants to work in your life. My encouragement to you this morning is this is the time. This is your chance to get back on mission. To pray to God like Noah, like Jonah did. And he will release you from the fish that seems to be holding you back in your life. So that you can do what he's truly called you to do. Jonah chapter 3 verse 1 says, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Aren't we glad that God sometimes speaks to us a second time? Maybe a third, fourth, fifth, million. He says, get up. And go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message that I have given you. Get up and go. This is not a time to sulk over your past. It's time to get up and to deliver a message. So the Lord gives him another chance, another opportunity. Just like he does for you and for me. Amen? Now is the time to catch that opportunity. Now is the time to get up and go. And what were the results? Scripture tells us that The results of obedience, of you being obedient, of me being obedient, is that lives are changed and people believe. Jonah chapter 3, verse 5 says, The people of Nineveh believe God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declare a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Verse 10 When God saw what they had done and how they put a stop to their evil ways, the ways we just talked about a few minutes ago, he changed his mind and did not carry on the destruction. situation has changed. People are saved. This is what mission is all about. Jonah got back on mission and the people of Nineveh were saved. Yes, even despite their killing, even despite their torture, even despite their ruthlessness. 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 This is why there's hope for all of us. Despite our past. Nothing. We all stand, every one of us here in this room, in need of forgiveness. None of us are perfect. We all stand in that need. What could have happened if California had not been maintenance on How many lives would have been spared if they would have been on mission? How many lives could be spared? How many family trees can be changed? How many destinies could go fulfilled if we refused to go into maintenance mode? And keep our eyes on the mission to give hope by loving God, loving people, and making disciples. See, the struggle with a message like this is not that, is that there are so many scriptures. Which ones do I narrow it down to to read? Because we could be reading for hours. But when asked about the two most important commandments, when they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what are the two most important commandments? But what's the most important commandment, actually? And this is Jesus' response in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment. You say that? No other commandment. No other commandment. No other commandment is greater than these. This is our mission. 
We are called to love God and to love people. Many of you know that over this past year, we started a story called Hope Restored in April. All the profits that we've been getting from that are going right to community organizations that are helping people in need all throughout the Cape. We've given just under $10,000 since April away to these organizations. That is how we love other people. That is how we love people. We love God, and because of our love for God, we love people. And because of our love for people, we give, we serve, we help. Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 and 38 says, When he saw the crowds, he said, Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. What we typically focus on in this passage is the need for more workers. And why we so? It makes sense. That's what it's saying. The passage encourages us to pray for more. And we should. But if that's all we get from this passage, we're missing something very important here. We're missing the part that says the harvest is great. Other versions will say the harvest is plentiful. The message version says, what a huge harvest! See, there's a harvest that's ready to be worked. And just like I said a few weeks ago, when I encourage you to bathe things in prayer, it is the middle voice that we use in prayer. Not an active voice saying, I'm going to make something happen on my own. I'm going to make somebody go out into the fields and share the gospel. I'm going to make somebody go out and do the harvest. We can't do that. Nor can we sit back and say, Lord, here I am, sitting in my chair at home, send some workers to the harvest while I sit here. What's the middle voice? The middle voice is neither active or passive, but there's a participation that happens. The middle voice means that we do what we can do and we allow God to do what we can do. This implies that we're not to be sitting at home praying for other people to work the fields, that we are not working ourselves. We need to be in the fields doing what we can, getting dirt all over our hands, sweating in the noonday sun. And while we are working, while we are working, we are praying for more people to help us in those fields. If you're already there, it's great because you can show them what you're doing and ask for help. See, this is a scriptural principle. When you're a good sort of what you have, God you manage what you already have well, God will give you. If you're in the fields working the harvest, the workers will come to join the mission. We need to stay on mission. Fanny Crosby wrote a hymn. It's a mission song called Rescue the Perishing. Let that continue to be our only mission. One that can be accomplished by loving God, by loving people, and by making disciples. We've gotten off track. Help us to get back on track today. We know that you get second chances and third chances and hundred chances and a million chances. This morning we surrender. We give our lives back to you. 
we've messed up in the past, Lord. We thank you that you are the God of many chances. You give us more chances than we deserve. We thank you for your patience and your mercy. You may be listening. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Today, maybe you're ready to make that decision. Maybe you're ready to call out and say, Lord, I've been running. I've been running. You've been calling me. Maybe you want to see me. Maybe you had a grandmother like I did. Say, maybe you want to see my family. I had a grandmother praying for yourself. a good plan for your life and the destiny that you've been called to. When you enter this moment, when you enter the call to submit to God's plan for you, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, or you need to renew that relationship, today is the day to get back on track and get back on track. I'm going to ask you this morning, if you have God in your head, if you can watch my mind, you can be respect where you are. I'm just going to say a simple prayer, and you can repeat after me, you can say it out I want to encourage you to download. If you have the ability to download apps on your phone, there's an app called YouVersion, which is God's Word. You can have good name on your phone. And there's a devotional in there called First Steps for New Believers. I want to encourage you to download that and begin the reading plan and begin to understand the step that you've taken this morning. And I want to encourage you if you're watching online and you, you live nearby, our services are on Sundays at 10 a.m. If you live well, you find a church that's teaching God's Word again. I'm ask the congregation to stand this morning. I'll read this passage again. I'll go through this right in a few moments. But this is our challenge. This is our mission. In verse 36, Matthew 9, 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. 
So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers in his hands. This is your call this morning. We have answered and we have made our way. May you go and leave this place. Go with your mission in your heart. May you answer the call. May you go into the harvest field so that God will send more workers. Last thing I want to say before we close is I'm going to call you leaders in here. But if you're sick or you're in need of prayer, Scripture tells us in James 5 Are any of you sick? You should call on the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you committed any sins, you will be forgiven. So as we prepare to leave this is our official closing. But if you need prayer, don't walk out that door and not get that prayer. Come to the, to the altar, like we said this morning. I just want to pray with you and any other leadership that's here and pray with you as well. We're going to gather around you and pray for healing and whatever you're praying for and believe and pray a prayer of faith and believe God for you and with you. And I ask that we um, put some God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Go on mission. If you need prayer, we're going to be up here in the front to pray with you. Have a great Sunday.